Today's message, we're calling it Come Alive This Easter. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a young man from a very, very wealthy family. He was about to graduate from high school. Now, you've got to understand, it was the custom of this affluent neighborhood that when their teen graduated from high school, they all received brand new automobiles. Lucky pups. Well, Bill and his father had searched long and hard to find the perfect car, and they did. And on the eve of his graduation, his father had a gift-wrapped Bible and handed it to his son, Bill. And his son seemed disappointed. And when he felt it, he realized it was just a Bible. He threw it to the ground, left the house, never to see his father alive again. Well, it was the news of his father's death that brought Bill back home. And as Bill was going through his father's possessions that he was to inherit, he came across this gift-wrapped Bible. He opened it up. And inside the Bible, he found a cashier's check for the exact amount for the car that he and his father had picked out together. And when I heard that story, I thought, God, how many of your kids, how many of your children missed it? They didn't really get what you have done for them, the thing you were trying to do for them. We didn't understand the gift. We didn't believe it was possible. And even if maybe we were taught the story, we, we just thought it's too good to be true because we come from a country that says if anything is too good to be true, it probably, that may be true for the world, but there is nothing impossible for my God. Amen? Nothing. And when God makes a promise, that promise will come true. Now the night before Jesus was crucified, he made a very, very strange statement. But nobody understood it. Try to put yourself back in that time, and you're a disciple, and Jesus says these words to you in John chapter 14 and verse 9. Look up here on the screen. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I am alive. Now watch this. And you are about to what? Come alive. Now if you heard that, 
See, we live way this side of the cross. We get what that's saying. But picture yourself, first century, you know, and Jesus just said that to you, you'd be going, uh-oh, Jesus is losing it. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm not dead. He's not talking to a corpse. But what he was talking about was really, really, really coming alive. Not just being alive, not just following the good life, but really the better life, the, the best life. And the resurrection, Resurrection Sunday, what a.k.a. Easter we call it sometimes, is, is all about coming alive. Jesus Christ proved by the miracles he performed who he was. He claimed to be God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, if you're going to make a claim like that, you've got to back that claim up with something, right? You can't just say it. I mean, there are people today that think they're God, but are they really? No. They belong to a mental institution. I mean, so it, it'd be, to make a claim of deity today would be about equivalent for someone to come up here and say, I'm a hard-boiled egg. Because, you know, I mean, if you can crack your shell and, you know, there's those yolk inside, well, maybe you could prove that. But Jesus Christ backed up his claim to deity, how? By the miracles he performed. The blind could see, the deaf could hear, the, the lame could walk. But his greatest proof that he was who he claimed to be, he said, they're going to kill me, the religious leaders. Religion was so corrupt in Jesus' day and still in some places today that they actually killed their Messiah, put him in a tomb, and on the third day he rose from the grave. Now, when you can raise yourself from the grave, I think that's pretty good proof you are who you claim to be. Amen? He is God, the God with us, the Emmanuel. He proved it by the death, the burial, and resurrection. And ever since Jesus, B.C. and A.D., have have divided history. See, every time, whether you realize it or not, that you write a check in the upper right-hand corner of your check and you put 2016 on that, what are you referring to? Back to Jesus. It's a reference to Jesus. Now, you know that part of the story. But what you may not know this morning, and what I want you to get is the second part. It's found right here in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. He, that is Jesus, included everyone. Well, does that mean everyone in the world is going to be saved? No, you've got to receive the gift to be saved. But he had you in mind. He included you on the cross. Everyone is included in his death so everyone could be included in his life. Now, what kind of life is this? A far better life than people live on their own. You see, as Americans, we live what we call the good life. And you say, well, my life's not all that good. Well, wait a second. Do you have a second change of clothing? You're living above most of the people in the world, according to world standards. Do you have fresh running water in your home and water to drink? You're above the rest of the world. If you went into your bathroom this morning, flipped a switch, and electricity came on, you are living the good life. But what if there was something better? What if God had something more 
in store for your life. See, so oftentimes we settle for less just because we don't know there's anything better. Uh, For example, when you were a baby, your mother probably fed you Gerber's baby food. And maybe even some of that green strained spinach. And when you ate it as a baby, you went, yummy. You know why you did that? Because you just didn't know any better. You didn't know any better. Today, if you ate that stuff and you put that in your mouth, you'd say, ugh, that tastes like turtle spit. This is a form of child abuse to do this to our kids. Well, God brought you here to say, there's something better than what you're living today if you're living a life without Jesus Christ. And it's because you just don't know any better. Well, I want to help you understand what the Bible says about the better life. What is the better life? It's a life, number one, filled with meaning. If you know the answer to these questions, you're way ahead of most of the world. If you know where you came from, if you know what you're doing here, and if you know where you're going, you're living the better life because you're in Christ. You came from God. God made you to love you, just wants you to love him back. That's it. And, and he's given you a purpose. And he wants you to know where you're going when this life is over. It's a place called heaven. Now, most of the world doesn't understand those three things. Most of the world says, well, I'm just here to kind of have a good time, and then I die. I'm dead all over, just like Rover. There's nothing on the other side. They just don't know any better, folks. It's kind of like that boy, didn't know any better. There is a better life. There's more to life. If looking good and feeling good and having goods made you happy, then Hollywood should be the happiest place on earth. But it isn't. has one of the highest divorce rates in our country. It takes more than money to make a person happy. It takes meaning. And God brings meaning to life. Look at Colossians 3, verse 4 with me. Christ gives meaning to your life. See, when you know where you came from, you know what you're doing here, and you know where you're going, that brings meaning to your life. You were made by God for God. And until you really understand that, life's not really going to make sense to you. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 3. And I want to give you bring out three points from this verse. Chapter 1, verse 3. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, hey, that's Easter, we've been given a brand new life. That's Christians. We have everything to live for, including a future where? In heaven. And that future starts when? When we get there? No. Now. It starts right now. It can for you. When you crossed over and you believed and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to save you for your sins, you crossed over and you began that better life now. Christian life's, I think, the best life to live. And it's the only way to die because what's awaiting us? Heaven. It says three things, really. It says the better life's connected to the resurrection because if he wasn't raised, then we are of all men most miserable because we're believing a big fat lie, right? But on the third day, that tomb was open, that tomb was empty, and there were Roman soldiers there to guard it, and they couldn't keep him in. The better life 
is a brand new life. Have you ever been to the um, grocery store and you see on a product that you normally purchase, new and improved? And you say, wow, got to buy that. Now the price just has gone up, well, but it's new and improved. And then you get it home and you open it up and you find it's what? The same old junk. The only thing new about it is the box, the packaging. Well, not so with God. When God gives you a new and improved life, that's not what we're talking about here. It is a brand new life. And then the third thing this verse says is, the better life includes an eternity in heaven. And what's that worth? I mean, that's priceless right there. See, when Jesus hung on the cross, nobody, well, I won't say nobody, very few people understood how wealthy he was because of who he was. Most of the people didn't know that he owned the hill. Most of the people didn't know that he owned the wood that he was being nailed to. Most of the people didn't know that he owned the nails being driven through his hands and through his feet. Most of the people didn't know he owned the people. He owned the earth. He owned the universe. He owns it all. Why? He was God. They didn't get that. Well, why would God leave heaven where everything's perfect, come to earth, and endure all this pain, suffering, torture, sorrow? Let me tell you why. So you could live the better life. It was for you that he left the comfort of his own home to come and prepare a place for us. And so the first thing I want you to see, and it's there in your outline, the better life is a life filled with meaning. The second thing I want you to see this morning is it's a life freed by grace. It's a life freed by grace. Romans 7, 6. We're free. How are we free? Well, we're free to live a new life in the freedom of God. Well, where does that freedom come from? It's that little thing called grace. G-R-A-C-E. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't pay for it. It is a gift of God. And freedom is really more about a relationship than a religion. See, religion in Jesus' day when he came was so corrupt that everyone focused on Moses and the law and the Ten Commandments. It was all about the religion. And Jesus came preaching, no, you're focusing on the wrong thing. It's all about a relationship with your Father that made you. Religion never saved anybody. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ can bring salvation. The Ten Commandments, the rules, never saved anybody. Nobody ever sings, Amazing law, how sweet the sound. There's nothing amazing about law. 
All the law can do is point out you messed up, right? All the law can do is say, you blew it. You didn't keep it. It has no saving power. It's an amazing grace that we sing. And so Hebrews chapter 7, 18 puts it like this. The old system or the Ten Commandments. So the Old Testament, rule keeping if you will, was canceled because it didn't work. What do they do with a television program that doesn't really make it? They cancel it, right? Well, what did God do with the Old Testament? He canceled it, got rid of it. Why? It was weak and useless for saving people. Law cannot save folks. It never made anyone really right with God, but now we have a far better hope, for Christ makes us acceptable to God. And so the better life is a free gift, but it's not cheap. What did it cost? Look up here. 1 Timothy 2, verse 6. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Salvation's a free gift. It's yours, but who purchased it? You or God? God did. That's that for God so loved the world thing that we all know. That's why he left heaven. That's why he left his place of comfort. And and we as his kids don't understand it. We're still looking at the good life. And God said, there's so much better if you get hold of this concept. Now, if I accept this better life, what do I do with the old life? Romans chapter 8, verse 13 says, here's the best thing to do with it. Watch this. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial. And get on with what? The new life. How do you do that? Well, Jesus gave us a symbol uh, called baptism. Have you ever heard of it? It's, it's, it's a symbol because it represents something. What does it represent? Well, what happened to Jesus uh, the night that he was betrayed? They killed him. They buried him. And what happened on the third day? The day we're celebrating today, Resurrection Sunday. Up from the grave he arose, right? He was raised. That's the gospel. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Now, I I don't have to die physically because Jesus already did that. But he's saying, look, if you want the better life, follow this symbol called baptism. It's the Greek word baptizo. It means to dip, plunge, or to submerge underwater. And so, if I believe this message, I can say, well, you know what? It's time I died to myself and stopped living the good life, which is all about me, and start living the better life, which is all about God. And so, I'm going to die to myself. Now, what do you do with something that's dead? You bury it. Remember, Jesus was buried. But we're buried in a watery grave. That's what's back here, folks, a baptismal. We bury you, but we don't leave you there for three days, all right? We bring it right up. The Bible says, he that's born of water and the Spirit gets a brand new birth, freedom, a new life in Christ to live forever. 
So, number one, what's the new life? It's, it's a life filled with meaning. Number two, it's a life freed by grace. And number three, it's a life full of energy. Have you ever, have you ever just got so tired of all the stuff that you got to do that your battery just starts running really, really low? And you know what I've found about me? When my battery starts running low, little problems become big problems. When my energy level is low, usually so is my patience. You ever feel like me? Do you see why we need a Savior? Do you see why we need a God to give us energy? you see why we need to have someone to turn to that's got the power to build us up at times when you just don't think you can go on? Here's what Scripture says in Jeremiah. God wants to give us His power. Jeremiah 31, 25 Those who feel tired and worn out will find new life and energy. Zechariah 4, 6, I think, oh, the American way is to pick yourself up by your own strength and by your own bootstraps. No, the Bible says you will not succeed by your own strength. You will not succeed by your own power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. When do you get your spirit? When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That same resurrection power is available to raise you from the dead and give you the power to live. Both the will and the power to live for Him. Romans 8, 11. Once the Spirit lives within you, He will bring to your whole being new strength and vitality. Well, how do I get this better life? Well, it's real simple. You just accept it. You just say, God, you know, I've kind of made a mess of my life, and I need you. I want this better life, and so I want to accept it. 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Everybody comes alive in Christ. Romans 6, 3, and 4 talks about this new birth process. All of us, see, the Apostle Paul wrote this verse, and he included himself in the word us. All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Do you see that symbol there again? The death, the burial, the resurrection. It's related to baptism. This is what today is all about. It's personally getting to know Jesus. Now, some of you may be saying, but Bruce, you don't understand. I have messed up my life in such a way that I just cannot get over it. And to you I say, get over it. (laughs) Welcome to the human race. We've all messed up our lives, right? All of us, every single one of us. Maybe you've messed up as as a parent. Maybe you've messed up as a child of a parent. Maybe you've had an abortion. Maybe you have given in to sinful, lustful desires. Maybe you've damaged your your integrity to a point that you think this is impossible to ever fix again. Maybe you handled your temper in such a way that totally embarrassed you beyond recovery, so you think. 
Maybe your greed led you to break the Eighth Commandment and you have stolen. Maybe you've spent time in prison. Maybe you've battled addiction. There is nothing you have ever done that is beyond the ability of God to forgive you. I want to say that again. And this better be an amen. Mike, you got one earlier. Let me say it one more time. Listen to this. You think you've messed up beyond the ability of God to forgive, but there is nothing you have ever done that is beyond God's ability to forgive you. Amen? Amen. That's the message of the cross. Well, how? Well, because Jesus Christ died on a cross, buried, three days later rose again. And in doing that, He not only defeated the power of sin, He defeated the penalty of sin. He paid your penalty. He served your time. He paid your debt. Say this Bible represents everything you've ever said, done, thought that was in violation to God's will. All of his sins, the Bible says, and he has laid on him, Jesus, all of our sins, and all of our iniquities. So if all of my sins have been transferred to Jesus on the cross, by the way, that legal transaction just took place there on the cross, how many sins do I have left? Big fat zero. Now, if I don't have any sins in my life anymore, do I qualify for heaven that's a perfect place? I sure do. Why? He paid the price. He took my, he served my time. I am debt free. I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. You see that? You say, but Bruce, it sounds too good to be true. I know. But Easter says it is. It is true. Salvation is a free gift. But here's the thing about gifts. Even a gift must be received. You need to read um, John chapter 1 and verse 12 later. But it says something like this. Let me paraphrase. All those who received him, who believed on his name, he gave the power to become children of God. It takes a believing and it takes a receiving. If I brought a gift over to your house today, and I said, I picked out this gift for you. If you don't receive it, it may have your name on it, but you really don't have it until you take it in, right? And Jesus died on a cross. Say, well, I don't want him to have to suffer and die for me. He's not suffering and dying anymore. He rose from the grave. The price has been paid. And for you not to receive that gift today is a waste of the cross for you, because Jesus has already done the work. Receive the gift. Now I want to do a little spiritual survey here. Um, there's no card to fill out, but I just want you to fill it out in your mind. Look at the survey up here. Please check A, B, C, or D in your mind. You say, well, Bruce, I'm already living the better life. I believe this Bible. I believe every word that you said today. I believe Jesus died for me. He paid my penalty. And if I put my trust in him and him alone, I'm going to live forever. You're in the family, okay? You're a brother. You're a sister in Christ. You would check A. 
Others are saying, I'm beginning the better life today, and I want to make arrangements for my baptism. I believe this stuff. Well, in a few minutes, we're going to open up our prayer room, and one of our elders, David Doolittle, is going to meet you in there. Maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you're saying, you know, I, Bruce, I, I, I used to follow Christ and live the better life a whole lot better than I am now, but I've kind of backslidden. Well, we want to pray for you this morning. David's going to be in there to pray. And get your life. Let this Resurrection Sunday, this power re-energize you to walk the walk that God's called you to walk. Then you check B. Or maybe you check C. You know, I'm going to consider what God wants to do in my life. You know, I, I know some of you, you, know, you, you were brought here by a friend, a neighbor, a family member. Someone drug you here today. They say, you know, we don't really want to come, but hey, Letty Pena and her team is going to bring, you know, breakfast burritos and a free meal. I'm coming for that. Okay, but now you heard something and you go, well, you know, this is kind of making sense. I'm kind of getting this thing for the first time. I hear it takes about seven times, really, to understand this message I'm giving you today. But you're saying, hey, I'd like to hear more. We'll talk to David in there because he'll tell you about a class that I teach every week where you can learn more on this. Now, some of you need to get real honest with yourself. D, I don't ever intend to make this decision. See, well, I'll get around to it one day. Well, you know, no decision is a decision called no. You need to be honest about that. And so, this morning, I would encourage you to check B if you haven't already in your mind. And I would encourage you to go to the prayer room. Let's close in prayer. Father, there are people here today that maybe they've heard this message for the very first time, but they want to they know more. Others have heard this maybe six, seven, eight times, and they want to begin a relationship with you. And they may know about you, but they want to really have a personal relationship. I pray that you would give them the courage to open their hearts and minds to you right now. Maybe you'd say in your own mind, God can hear your thoughts. Maybe you'd say, Dear God, I want to start living the better life. I realize that you made me for more than just the good life. And so as much as I know how, I don't understand it all right now, but as much as I know how, I want to start living for you and not myself. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die for me and my sins. I'm willing to repent and trust you alone for my salvation. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.